you have to advocate for yourself. It's going to take a lot of legwork on your front in order to decide if this is a quality externship that will serve you. Welcome back to That Vet Life, a podcast created for veterinary mentors and mentees. I'm your host, Dr. Mariah McCauley, and this week on the podcast, we're going back to a good old-fashioned Instagram poll. You guys know how much I love these things. Now, the most recent poll that we looked at was evaluating externships, which if you're in the U.S., we call them externships. If you're in the U.K., we call them EMS studies. So they're all pretty much the same thing when it comes down to it. But what I asked you guys was, how are you feeling about the whole process of finding externships? Because I was looking back through my own past of being a vet student all those years ago. Granted, it wasn't that long ago but it feels like it was a long time ago. And I just remembered having quite the mix of emotions. So I wanted to see what are you guys feeling in the new day and age about the process of finding externships. And over half of you responded that you are feeling stressed and overwhelmed with the process. And I was like, yep, that sounds about right. I think there was like two people that were like, I'm excited or I feel confident. And I was like, good for you guys. That is awesome. Hold on to that. But the majority of you guys are like, help. I can't find an externship. I don't know where to look for externships. My university is not helping me find externships. Yeah, that's um, just a little bit stressful. So today on the podcast, we are going to try and provide you guys with a little bit more of a resource as to how to find externships, what you should be looking for, and how do you even know if it's going to be a quality externship? Because I know from my own experience, at least, one of the big scaries about an externship was the question mark of, is this even going to be a quality externship? Am I even going to get anything out of it? Are they going to like me? Am I going to like them? Um, Am I going to hate veterinary medicine after these two weeks? So hopefully this will help dispel some of those fears and provide you with a little bit more confidence moving forward in the process of searching for externships. So going back to this lovely poll that we did, like I said, over half of you feeling stressed and overwhelmed. When I also then asked, uh, do you feel like your university is helping? Well, I hate to say it, but over 79% of you didn't feel like your university was very helpful in the process. And um, just about 70% of you said that the biggest barriers to finding these externships is um, about housing. It's about travel. And I'm assuming that budget finances plays a big role into that. So how do you get there? Where are you going to stay? How are you going to afford where you're going to stay? Because two weeks of an Airbnb or a hotel is pricey right now. And a lot of externships do not offer housing partly because, again, that is pricey. <laughs> so it's a challenge on both parts, but doesn't mean that there aren't ways to get around that or find solutions to it. And then the last question I asked was, do you want more resources? And an overwhelming 100% of you said, yes, please. So let's look into these questions by first answering the question of what is the purpose of an externship? can help you find good quality externships if we don't understand what the purpose is behind them. So when we are looking at universities and their externships or EMS, the main reason that they are sending you out into the world is to A, send you out into the world. Veterinary medicine is not an ivory tower. Everything that you learn in vet school is awesome and wonderful and it should be a gold standard. 
but there's a spectrum of care. There are differences in the different cultures of the, where these practices are, the type of clients that they have, the type of animals that they're seeing, the type of referral centers that are available. Like everything is a little bit different. So going out into the world and seeing what happens in general practice in different areas of the United States or in the world or in referral settings, like this is very valuable. It helps with your adaptability as a practitioner. And it will mean that you come back to vet school with some new and fun ideas on how you can practice medicine in your own unique way, while still adhering to high quality medicine standards. So there's that aspect. It also allows you to put those pieces together that you're learning in vet school. And this is something that you'll see as you grow and develop as a veterinary student. So going from externships after your first year, then your second year, then your third year, like you'll start to feel a little bit more like an actual doctor and you'll be able to take those little bits and pieces of like the seeing anatomy in a textbook or on a, in a cadaver and then going to see your first surgery and you're like, oh my gosh, that vessel is pulsing. I didn't know vessels could pulse like that. Like I remember that being one of the coolest things is after seeing a cadaver, which is dead and cold and gray and just smelly. Um, and then actually seeing, like, it was just a spay and seeing the actual, like, vessels pulsing. I was like, ooh, this is really cool. I love surgery. So being able to put those little pieces together, seeing a case maybe from start to finish of, um, like, a dog that comes in with potential, like, some lethargy, some weight gains, some bilateral flank alopecia, chronic infections, and maybe testing for a T4. And you're like, holy crap, it has hypothyroidism, starting it on medications. Like that whole process, like putting those pieces together, getting the opportunity to ask the questions, go and search for the answers, that will accelerate your learning. That is the other big thing. It's like you're going out into the world to put these pieces together to accelerate your learning. It's just an awesome opportunity. And then you're also working on your clinical skills. You'll practice blood draws with the nurses. You'll place catheters. You'll do different procedures depending on your level of skill and the comfort level that the practitioner has with you. Maybe you'll do your first spay. I know most people do their first cat neuter when they're on placement. You don't do that in vet school. <laughs> That's for sure. So being able to do things for the first time, share in those exciting moments. These are all things that happen when you are on an externship. And the other really important part that you don't necessarily think about as a student, but it comes more apparent in your final years of vet school, is uh, externships are an opportunity to interview with practices. It's an opportunity for you to figure out what area of medicine you like or don't like, whether that's GP, whether that's emergency, whether that's a referral a level of practice. It also lets you see what type of practices do you like? So what level of care do you like? What are things that certain practices do that you're like, I never want to work in a practice that does this? Like that's really important for you to figure out when you're on these externships. So maybe you don't find a good high quality externship, but it helps you identify that you don't want to be in a practice like that. So there's benefits to both. But then also like if you do find a practice that you freaking love, this is an opportunity for you to showcase your skills, your knowledge, for you to be a team player and technically do a working interview with them. And if you come back multiple years in a row or multiple weeks in a row, you get a chance to really see that practice as their true nature, get to wear away that candy coating and really decide if this is a place where you want to work, at least in your first year of practice. 
So tons and tons of value in these externships. It's not just a you're going to a practice to shadow and watch and see what they do. Like this is an opportunity for you to become your true self as a veterinarian, to put it very superfluous. Oh my gosh, I'm just going to mess up that whole word. It's just an opportunity for you to really figure out like the starting points of who you want to become as a veterinarian. It's a really awesome thing. So then we ask the question, uh, we know why we do externships. So where the heck do we find them? <laughs> this is where a lot of the stress comes for all you students. And it was definitely there for me. I didn't really know, like, where was I supposed to do practice externships? For me, I was studying in the UK. I was from the US. I had certain breaks that I knew I'd be back in the US, but I knew I also wanted to take advantage of the fact that I was in the UK and I could utilize some of this to be a travel holiday of some sort. So uh, I had to balance that. And I did utilize it a little bit. I went up to the north of Scotland. I was down in Wales just for some of my externships. But finding these externships, it was not easy. And this is where answering that question of, do you feel like your university was helpful? Uh, uh, I wish I could say that my university was more helpful. And part of that is because like, if there is a database, it's not usually that easy to access. And it's not usually updated very frequently. So the contact information isn't always correct. Whether or not that practice is actively taking students isn't necessarily updated in that database. You don't really have any reviews of how it went, so you don't know if it's going to be a good experience or a bad experience. So there are limits to the university lists that are available. I think they could do a lot better job in providing these lists. But on the same token, I feel like it's not necessarily entirely up to them to spoon feed you the locations of where these externships are. Just because of the vast variety that is out there, it would just be a little bit difficult. Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at VEDEX. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession. Much more likely you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our Vetex community. The Thrive Community is a race accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits and one-to-one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, visit vetexinternational.com today. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of that Vet Life podcast. Over to you, Mo. The other main way that I would recommend that you find these externships is via word of mouth. Like that is going to be some of the best reviews that you can get on these different places. So talk to the upperclassmen. Find out from your friends, like where did they do externships? Did they like the externships? What did they think about the type of medicine that was practiced there? What type of species do they truly see? Because you can't always get this just from their website. So 
utilizing those word of mouth opportunities, your classmates, your upperclassmen, that's going to be probably the best way for you to A, get the contact information <laughs> for these uh, they get the externships, and then also just get an adequate review on what the experience was like. So the other ways that you can find externships, and this is becoming more and more apparent for multiple reasons, uh, not necessarily apparent, but available, are corporate listings. Now, regardless of what you think about corporate medicine, this is, again, an opportunity for you to see what it is like to work in a corporate-owned practice for the good or for the not-so-good. And many of these, if you go to their website, there will be a tab that you can go to that has like student externships or student resources, and they will have a listing up to date for the most part, listing of practices that are willing to have students come to their practice. And some of these corporates will provide travel stipends. So they will provide you with money to travel to these places to stay um, at housing, whether that's a hotel or an Airbnb or, or whatever the option they have available, so that you can actually afford to do this. Because we know as vet students, you're not earning much, if any, money while you're in vet school. You're spending buttloads of money. So to utilize these corporates, whether or not you end up working for them or not, this is a good opportunity for you to see different parts of the United States, actually see different types of medicine in these different areas, like utilize it to your better advantage here. I'm not afraid to say that, <laughs> like utilize these resources. So go and check out some of the corporates that are out there. I'm going to remain separate and I'm not going to mention any of the names. So go and look them up. Um, you'll have some good opportunities there. The downsides is, again, you're really seeing them sight unseen because just because they say they have mentorship or they say they're willing to take a student doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be high quality mentorship, but we're going to answer that question next. So you don't really know, A, what the housing's like, what the people are like, what the practice is like, what type of medicine they really are doing. So you have to go into it with um, a little bit of caution, but also with an open mind to understand that, hey, this may not be the perfect situation, but you're going to learn a lot regardless. Um, you're going to walk out of it with new information on what type of medicine you do or don't like. And going into it with that mindset will really change your expectations and how, what you get out of it in the end. So that's corporate listings. Other options that are similar but different are job site listings. This is something that we're seeing a bit more frequently. And again, the reason that they're doing this is because they want to funnel you into their practice. Like they want you to like their corporate. They want you to like their job um, and come and work with them afterwards. So go into it also knowing that this is probably a little bit of a working interview that will help you get the most out of it, but then also ask some really darn good questions before you go into it. So job site listings like Hound, I believe they still have externship listings available, which you can utilize to your advantage. But that has a similar downside to the corporate listings is you're essentially cold calling, which that is the last thing on my list, is you can cold call practices. And now if you are someone who's like, I'm trying to save as much money as possible and just stay at home or stay with a friend, but I don't really know like where to find a practice, literally drop a pin, draw a, a radius of how far you're willing to drive or walk or cycle or whatever and pick some of the practices, look at their websites, cold call them and say, hey, I'm a vet student. I'm doing externships. Can I come see your practice for this such and such a week and see if they say yes? The worst that they can say is no. It's going to take a lot of legwork on your part. But hey, 
it's a good opportunity to see what is in your surrounding area clinic-wise. So good opportunities all around. Again, not every single one is going to be the gold medal, the unicorn practice that you've always dreamed to work at, but you're going to learn something regardless because everyone is like they're practicing medicine to the best of their ability for the most part at these practices. And if you find a unicorn practice along the way, hey, that's awesome. Utilize that. So if you were able to find an externship through one of those opportunities, how do you actually know that it's going to be a good quality externship? This is where I'm going to spend the, well, I want to spend the most time. (laughs) That's the best thing to do. But we're going to have many episodes and we've had many episodes on how to, like what questions to ask. So I'm just going to start by briefly going over some of these and we'll see how much time I end up actually eating up because you know I love to talk about this stuff. So how do you know if it will be a quality externship? Now, this is something where it is a two-way street for sure when it comes to the mentorship that will be provided in these externships. So a lot of it comes down to both of you, but I'm going to say that in these externship environments, you have to advocate for yourself. It's going to take a lot of legwork on your front in order to decide if this is a quality externship that will serve you. Which, little caveat to that, externships are not just about what you can get out of the relationship. There is definitely an aspect of what you can give to these practices as being a team player um, and other bits that you really need to think about. So when you're having these conversations, remember that it is a two-way street. You're not just there to learn and get experience. So advocating for yourself, what does that look like? This looks like taking the time to set up a a call or a video chat with your clinical mentor. So the person who is going to be assigned to uh, be responsible for you during your time at the practice. And one of the first things that I, oh gosh, (laughs) one of the first things that I really want to see in a mentor or a mentee, excuse me, is the amount of time that they want to see the practice. So how long should you do your externships for? I say a minimum of two weeks. And the reason I say that is one week is not enough time for the practice to get to know you enough to let you do those bigger, more involved cases or or procedures. Like there's just not enough time to build that level of trust um, in one week. So a minimum of two weeks is how long you should be there. And I understand like there are definitely extenuating circumstances where you can only do one week at a practice, but like really try your hardest to make it at least two weeks. Now, if I have a a student who's spent multiple weeks at the practice and they're like, hey, I have like three days that I just I need to get a few more hours. I really want to come back to your practice. At that point, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, sure. Come on back because I already know them. I already trust them. We've built that basic layer. So spending another couple days, they just kind of jump back into the swing of things. But as someone who's new, who's never been to the practice, I really want to see you there for two weeks. That's really going to help us learn who you are and really provide the time that you need in order to learn. So that's really important. The next thing is, of course, defining mentorship. As a mentee or as an extern, I really want you to sit down and say, you know what? 
This is a learning opportunity for both of us. I want to help you guys the best that I can by providing you with the information as to what level of education I'm at, what I'm comfortable, what I really want to do. So I really, I want you to define like, what do you define as mentorship? What do I define as mentorship? Do we align on those definitions? And if we don't, how do we try and better align ourselves so that we know what you are expecting as the mentee? But then also, what am I expecting as the mentor? Because if those do not align, you're going to have disparity. You're not going to have a good time as a in the mentorship, and it's just not going to be a positive experience for either party. So define your mentorship. Discuss what level of experience you are in your schooling. So whether that's year one, two, three, four, if you're in the UK, five. And also, like, what are the things that you want to see? Like, what are your goals? Is your goal to do your first dog spay? Hey, put that on the list. Is your goal to really focus these next two weeks on phlebotomy and like you really just want to spend time pulling blood because you're really nervous about it or you feel like your skills are crappy? Like put that in your goals. Like so that way I know, hey, this person doesn't actually want to spend as much time shadowing me in the consult rooms. Like I should put them with the nurses. Like these are really important things. Or they, uh, maybe as a mentee, you really want more practice evaluating lab work. That's really important for me as the doctor, because then when I get this lab work, I can give it to you and say, all right, I want you to go and look at this. We're going to come back in like 15 minutes. and We're going to talk about it. But I don't know that unless you tell me that in the start. So really defining what your goals are, what your expectations are of me as the mentor. Are you expecting that I will sit down with you for an hour at the start and an hour at the end of the mentorship experience to talk about, again, your goals and your expectations and your outcomes? Are you expecting basically that I will bring you along to absolutely everything, that I will be the only person that you work with? Are you expecting that you're going to get bounced around to different areas of the hospital? These are all really important things. Um, Also, like, what are the hours that you're expecting to be there? Now, this is one where you don't have as much say, but um, again, building that level of trust, building that level of understanding will be helpful if you say, hey, I really need to step out for this day during my externship it goes over a lot better if you've already sat down and set up this uh, expectation rather than two days before or the day of being like, oh yeah, I'm leaving for two hours during lunch because I have this thing that I need to do. A, that's uh, really not good if you are going to want to work at that practice, not because you're showing that you have poor communication skills, but just so many other things. So really set up those expectations, be a good communicator about what your goals are, what your expectations are. And also, let's see here, I have my whole list, but then ultimately, like, this is advocating for yourself. This is you showing up and saying, you know what, I'm taking ownership of my education, of my learning. And then also, you're saying, hey, even though these are my expectations, these are the things that I feel like I could be helpful in your practice. So, like, again, ultimately, what you get out of your externship experience is up to you. Like, yes, it's two-way street. The mentor has a big role to play, but we don't know how to best help you unless you communicate those things. So how do you get the most out of your mentorship experience or how do you get the most out of your externship experience? A, be a good mentee, which let's go back a few pages here. What did you guys say were the qualities of a good mentee? That you're willing to learn, that you're curious, that you're asking questions, that you're a team player. And the things that I would add to that is that you're prepared, you're patient. And I'm going to say it again, but team player. So that's what I would wrap things up with for this episode. If you guys are really struggling to 
find externships, if you're overwhelmed, if you're stressed about it, A, take a little bit of ownership for yourself. Know what you want to get out of these externships. Like really take some time, sit down. If you don't know what to put on that list, talk to your mentor, (laughs) talk to your classmates, come up with a list so that when you do find these externships, either through word of mouth, through your university, through corporate, through job sites, through cold calls, that you can adequately communicate to these practices that are going to be taking you in and shadowing you and trying to teach you as much as they can, that you can actually communicate what you need, what you want, what you're expecting, and they can do the same. So that will help you as the mentee, that will help the mentor and the practice And overall, it will improve your experience in these practices. So hopefully that's helpful for you guys. If you have any questions about finding externships or how to get the most out of your externship experience, please feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to chat about these things, keep the communication and the conversations going. And if you have other questions, also reach out to the VEDEX community. There's a ton of people there that want to see you succeed. They want to help you as mentors and mentees. So with that, I'll say toodaloo and until next time, y'all. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Fat Life.